Tonight, you say you want a Kevolution. Well, the Fab Four are back together. But will it be enough to stop the Blues' origin momentum? Nathan Buckley takes aim at the AFL media. From wobbly to woeful, where to now for the Wallabies? The Socceroos show some fight against the might of Germany. And straight from Mad Monday to you, Super Netball Champion Caitlin Bassett is our special guest. It's five people who think they know what they're doing. This is the Backpage Live. What a win for Australia. So much sport, so little time. They continue to speak before they think. I'll be about as relaxed as Jeff Fennick in a spelling bee. It'll cost him his job. All about the fans and what brings kids back. One of Australia's biggest rivalries. Sport doesn't stop and neither do we. That was too good that to pass up. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Backpage Live. And here are those five people who think they know what they are talking about. And uh, it's Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Hello, and welcome to you both. And on this side, Mr. Ryan Fitzgerald alongside Jamie Sowett. Hello and welcome. We've got dueling cowboy shorts, new shirts, New South Wales and Queensland uh, up and ready to go. I'm going to start with you, Jamie. Here we are, what, 24 hours from kickoff. You've been there, State of Origin. Are you nervous at this, this time? What are your memories? What are your, is your recall? I wasn't too nervous. We'd obviously lost the first game, but for me it was about preparation. It had all been done. I was in my hotel room at the Pullman uh, there at ANZ Stadium and had the curtains actually shut because there was so much what? action. Well, ANZ Stadium's right there and I didn't want to get too excited, so... I just had the curtains shut and waited for, for game time. And what time did... Was it 2am you got up and you went and set off the fire alarm in the Queensland hotel? <laughs> was that... No, you no, usually no. Do it, Sarah? No, no. Usually there's phone calls and stuff. Yeah. We had phone calls up there in Queensland mysteriously in the middle of the night. Seriously? So, yeah, Sometimes they had trouble getting through. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Queensland, of course, have now firmed into outright favouritism, as they should. Uh, <laughs> what's it feeling like? <laughs> Don't you try and do a Queensland on a Queensland. No. What's Look... The Moraines are nicely positioned where they want to be is, ah, oh, we might be struggling this game, you know, one down, old team and all that. And so that, that's sort of where Queensland want to be. And the big question is simply this, have some of the old boys got one last big kick? None of these players want to go back to Suncorp Stadium for game three Perhaps the, certainly the last for Thurston, perhaps the last for Cronk, certainly the last for Slater, I think. No-one wants that to be a dead rubber in Queensland. And, you, I mean, you talk about the old boys and, and there they are, or the Fab Four, but I think people are sort of forgetting there's actually four debutants, four rookies in this 17 compared yeah. to New South Wales that goes in unchanged. That must be making a few Queenslanders a little nervous. It is. There's excitement there because they feel some of them, like Cohen Hess, Jamie, could be a 10-year player. They feel he's that good. But you just never know. Uh, I still like the fact that Cohen has said, I'm not ready for origin. They're the blokes sometimes you want. It's the blokes that said, yeah, I'm ready for the big stage. And it hits them like that. Yeah, well, Blues coach Laurie Daly, he was sending slightly mixed messages today uh, talking about the strength of his opponents. Obviously, it's a huge challenge for us um, against uh, a wonderful Queensland team. You know, when you bring back uh, Thurston and, and uh, Slater, um, you know, two of the... The greats, they're a stronger team because of that. Enthusiastic uh, forwards, more leg speed through the middle, and they're great defenders. You know, look a little bit stronger than, than what they've been. And Darius Boyd's a, a terrific player. You know, we, we haven't thought um, a, a great deal about um, you know, what, what Queensland are doing. You yeah, haven't thought about what Queensland's doing. You spent the entire time talking yeah, about what, what Queensland's you didn't get, doing. What you didn't get at the end of the press conference is Laurie walking out pissing himself laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon they believe it? <laughs>
his fingers crossed behind his back. That's classic, isn't it? It is, but I think New South Wales can be a little bit more confident than that. Uh, you heard Crash. All the Queenslanders are talking about how they're in the position they want to be, but this might be New South Wales' chance to really put the foot on the throat and really bring in that new era of guys that are in form. First time they haven't changed the side from game one to game two in a long time. So I think New South Wales fans should be confident going to the game. You can't think about the past too much. And just as Crash said that Queensland want to go back to Suncorp not being dead rubber, New South Wales want to end it right there at ANZ Stadium in front of that massive home crowd. I think they have to. Tomorrow night, as a fan and a retired player, tomorrow night's the decider. I think whoever wins tomorrow night wins the series. Obviously for New South Wales being up 1-0, but if Queensland get the chance to go back there with everything that Crash has talked about with Thurston and Cronk, it's, it's going to be a, a steep mountain. All right, well, we know how feisty and angry Kevin Walters is. Uh, he gets fired up. Uh, he's taken exception to Laurie Daly wanting the refs to limit the wrestle. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed with Laurie uh, and the New South Wales players with, with all that. I mean, last time we were here for an Origin game, the penalty count was 12-4. Was I just don't think it's in the right spirit of the game to try and use the, the referees uh, to influence the game in some way. We've got a lot of respect for our referees. I just don't see why Laurie Daly and New South Wales want to drag up, you know, and, and puts the pressure on the referees. Scathing. <laughs> Isn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> 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 I reckon he would have rang Laurie before he did that. Is it OK if I do this, Mark? And then after it, it maybe in tears, saying, Laurie, I, I, I was taken away from it. But that's funny, because Kev's such a nice bloke, and it's, yeah. by, by his standards, that's a mortar gun out there. Yeah. And I, I can't help but think of Justin Hodges, who often winds up Kev by saying, mate, you're going to have a crack at these blues? You're going to open fire? And Kev says... Mate, I'm not a bagger, all right? And he's not, so <laughs> it took a lot to is say that. Is that the stress of the situation, do you think, a little bit? Is he toughening up a bit under the surface, or...? Yeah, he's definitely toughening up. I, I reckon State of Origin does that. It bakes coaches. You can almost see him hardening the job. But this is a very important point that they're arguing about, the wrestle, because to win this game, Queensland have got to slow him down a bit. And there was these statistics about the, the top four players... Are, in, in the, uh, who have put players on their backsides are in the Queensland team. But my point, Jamie, is isn't that what tackling's supposed to do, put players on their backsides? Since when was it illegal? Well, it's not illegal, but I think they're all just talking about one man, Andrew Fafita. He was so good in that game one that, you know, Queensland didn't really have an answer for him, so they were figuring out how to get it down. If you're the best at your trait in the game and putting people on the back and slowing the play ball down, then good luck to you. And Melbourne have been so good at that because they're so disciplined. So it just so happens that Melbourne have got more players in in Queensland. Gee, they've um, focused heavily on him, haven't they? Of course, on Fafita, they've had, I think, Dylan Napa, maybe uh, the great Glasby. He's been running. They've been dressed as Andrew Fafita, wearing the blue gear, uh, fake beards, <laughs> running oh, uh, at the team. I would have just got David Fafita back for a week. <laughs> <laughs> just to train with the Queensland boys. They are too Fafita obsessed. It's a very good question. I'm actually worried about that, that a little guy like James Maloney could... You'd almost run for feeder as a decoy, shall we, wouldn't you, for the first ten minutes? Say, so, here you go, big fella. Actually, yeah. it's Maloney off your shoulder. What would you do? Yeah, look, I think Andrew Feed has to still get in the game. There's a lot being made about his form in game one, but he still needs to get in the game. But you can't take your eye off, guys. That back row for New South Wales is probably the best I've seen for a long time. Frizzell, Graham and... Uh, Jackson and obviously Cordner, the captains. So. You've got a bone to pick crash, haven't you, with Andrew Fafita and his style? I think it might be the round the play the ball. 
Yes, well, he, we found this uh, during the week that okay. was discovered that Andrew Fafita's play the ball. You're supposed to hit the ball with your foot, oh. if you don't mind. I mean, we had to find a fault with him somewhere, and he doesn't actually touch the ball with his foot. Oh, okay. Sally, well, that's outrageous. What, what, what are you proposing? Penalties every time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a fair point. Oh, <laughs> if that's all you've got, Crash. No, wait, 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 wait. I just am getting word in through my ear that we do have some other footage from the same game of Queensland playing the ball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Nobody's playing touching the ball with their foot. No, crash. no. Penalise a lot of it. Yeah. Gee, it's going to be a slow old game for you blokes, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, thanks for letting me know you had that footage, Joe. <laughs> Set up beautifully. No, actually, no, while we're on crash as well, are you guys superstitious on this show? Because if, if, if New South Wales win tomorrow night, I think there might be a certain show on Fox Sports that might struggle, and that's the Queensland show. Because ever since only. you put that on, they've lost all their confidence, Crash. <laughs> you could be the reason why they're not playing well. <laughs> so thanks for that, mate. <laughs> I'm not copying. I'm not going to wear that blue wig. <laughs> what about obviously the whole idea of that is to slow the play of the ball down, to slow the game down because there yeah. was some struggling going on. That first game was so intense, so quick, particularly the first half, Sally. In fact, Jared Haynes said that he'd gone into the dressing room at halftime and quote had sicked up. Uh, that's the kind of the pace of it. Do you remember it being like that? Uh, I don't think it, that was one of the quickest games I'd watched and probably in a long time, especially in origin. It, it already is quick, but there wasn't a lot of stoppages. There wasn't a lot of scrums. So I think that sort of suited New South Wales. The older legs of, of Queensland you know, didn't really hold up in the middle and that's why they made changes to bring some youth in. And you just talked about the, the youth and, uh, I guess, leg speed that Queensland have brought in. So, uh, But as to the play the ball, you only have to make an effort. That's why players are getting away with it. You don't have to touch the ball. So as soon as it clears the ruck, you only have to make an effort and you can... It's play on. Have you got a fearless prediction for tomorrow night? New South Wales to win. Man of the match? Boyd Cordner. Captain. Ooh. Captain, my captain. with a lot of confidence. I know, it's so good, isn't it? All right, the uh, NRL comp, as you know, it kind of struggles on during State of Origin. Uh, star players missing, fans at the grounds disappearing at an alarming rate. This is South. They beat the Titans at ANZ Stadium, watched by 7,000 people. Uh, I've done the maths. That ground fits 82,500. <laughs> That's 11.7 .7 seats per person. It's very comfortable <laughs> if you're there. Crash got more to his 21st. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's disappointing, isn't it? Because it's such... Look, we get such great coverage from all the channels and everyone involved, and it's disappointing that there's not a full stadium. It's a perfect chance for the NRL to come out, get on the front foot, take this to a smaller stadium, whether it be Coffs Harbour, yep. with no city country going on further in the next couple of years. Real opportunity to take these games through the origin period, out to the bush, and give something back, whether it be Queensland or New South Wales. It's a great point that you make. Is it going to be sold out tomorrow night? That's the big question. Because when you yeah. hosted Origin 1, yeah. I couldn't, there were about 2,500 <clears> seats. <throat> I can't believe... I mean, that's your grand final, your pinnacle game, yep. and you don't sell it out, Origin 1. Yeah, you're 100% right. The tickets are too dear. I, I always felt that, 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 you know, up towards $200, who's got it these days? If you've got a couple of kids, who can take them along? That said, I was shocked by it. Yeah, they're talking about more than 80000 tomorrow night, but it is a good point Jamie's yeah. made. You know, doesn't the competition flatten out? And the, the flatness lasts until the finals. Well, that's true, but there are, there are also benefits in that. Uh, all the stars out of the Storm Cowboys game, we did get to see some amazing young talent. This kid, Brody Croft, so he, he organised the game, then he won the game for Melbourne, showing all that, that kind of skill, the style that Cooper Cronk does that business, but he also does the moment. Yeah, he does. He's been a super player in the Melbourne Storm system for a while now. You can see he's been under Cooper Cronk. 
very similar in the way that they directed Here's the game. Cooper, yep. And have a look at this footage right here. It's just pretty much a carbon copy. So uh, the Melbourne Storm looks like they're going to have another dominant halfback for a, another period of time. The only difference between the two of them, of course, is when Cooper kicked the field goal in State of Origin, he said, every sinew in my body came together in one perfect hole. When Croft kicked it, he said, I'm stoked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but is, is there a better system in Australian sport than the Melbourne Storm? Yeah. They oh. are just a bunch of role players, no egos. Yeah. They, yep. know, they go out there with their one job, a clear yeah. system. Yep. Extraordinary. Tim Glasby will be great, despite what people yep. have said. He'll like, great in State of Origin. I like the fact it was a year between his first great yeah, games. It was, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. that's Melbourne Storm for you. No, yeah. mate, we're just going to bake you and, and see how you go. How proud do you reckon his parents were or are? In fact, I can show you exactly how proud. There's mum. This is just great, isn't it? After oh, your kid's done that. That's uh, so warming. I mean, my yeah. old man gave me a couple of beltings after the games <laughs> I played. <laughs> and I love Brody was asked about it and he said that was the proudest moment in his career today. It was seeing his parents after the game. So great good, so good. You have plenty of friends, of course, uh, when you win. When you lose, it can be a lonely job. As Cowboys coach Paul Green found out, look, he's got the sore arm, packing the chairs away in the dressing room himself. Yeah, but you know what? I still like that. Uh, you know, he's cleaning up the room and uh, the Australian, the All Blacks started that, cleaning up their dressing room when, when, the, when they were done. Richie McCaw underneath tables, pulling out Gatorade bottles. Yeah. The Australian cricket team did it for a couple of tests in India, which is fabulous. Good tradition. Uh, another poor loss for the Dragons on Sunday. Oh, look, I've actually done a, a bit of a time-lapse for you on their season here. Look, it was looking very, very good. Uh, had a lot of that. Oh! That's just now so naggy Harry Highpack standing and going, where did the season go? Paul McGregor by himself there. Absolutely. The Demons, the new Bulldogs, Melbourne's win over the Premiers, has long-suffering fans daring to dream. Is that 53? Is that how long that premiership drought has been for uh, the Demons? It's been a long time. It's been more than a decade since they've played finals, so maybe this might be finally the year. And I guess this roller coaster season of upsets and boilovers just continue. As you mentioned, Tony, three in a row. They're doing it without their full forward, Jesse Hogan, and without their All-Australian Ruckman, Max Gorn, uh, both out at the moment. So... They're probably the most high-pressured team in the competition at the moment. Really tough to come up against. I commentated on this game on the weekend. Super impressive. They were clinical. I think we need to focus on the Bulldogs more. Yeah. I mean, they're struggling. Last year's premiers, um, they'll, they'll come good. But, yeah, at the moment, there's a lot of blokes that aren't firing at all. Just a lapse, or can you see them being able to rebuild? I, I think they will come back towards the end of the season, but it might be too late. But, you know, at the moment, there's just so many teams that are on six, five, six, seven games. So and it's up for grabs for that seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth spot on, in the finals. The mindset's not there. I mean, we talk of the premiership hangover, and, I mean, that probably... What, what they're doing is the definition of a premiership hangover. Yep. The opposition wanted it more than them on the weekend. Does that matter? I mean, if you're a Bulldogs fan, you've won a flag for the first time in 62 years. Yeah. Uh, and they're entitled to party and enjoy it, I would have thought. As a so... Dragons fan, I'm still living off his premiership. Yeah. <laughs> So the hardest thing is, as a Premier, you're going to get everyone's best game every week. So there's games last year, they would have gone out and won that. They had the mm. hunger, whereas times you actually, you sort of your confidence comes in and you roll up to a game knowing that the team's beat before you play them. So the Bulldogs just look like they're struggling a little bit. A little bit of issue was made about their weight and they put on a little bit. Can you see any of that, Kel? I can't see any of that. Maybe that they didn't come back as fit um, and, and some issues along there. But they've had injuries as well. You know, their captain, Bob Murphy, has been out. Had injuries last year. It didn't seem to matter. But they got on a, a, so much momentum last year. They're going to struggle to replicate that second half of this year. Here's the question, though. Is social media the new forum for sledging? 
Uh, you can start your mental disintegration before you even get onto the park. I think it's a terrific system. Melbourne's uh, Thomas Park posting this on Instagram. It's Jack Watts, his teammate, just goading Jason Johannesson. You ready? <coughs> now, I kind of like this. Plenty of people have come out and said it's the wrong thing. What do you think, Fitzy? Well, Josh Jenkins is a big fan of this from the Adelaide Crows as well, talking that we need to be more transparent and these players need to, you know, we've got to open up a little bit more because that's what the fans want. But as a coach, I reckon that's horrible. Because you do want... Bucks talked about this, and we're going to talk about Bucks a little bit more as well. You do want your players to be humble. You don't want to be the centre of attention. And that was an hour before the game. Yeah, it's a great point you make. You mentioned the C word, the coach, because everyone thinks that this has been blown out of proportion. It doesn't want, matter what the media thinks. It doesn't matter what the fans think. I, I enjoyed it, but the point was, and we saw yep. the vision there, the opposition was offended, and they went straight to him before the yep. first bounce. When you asked both coaches afterwards, Just, they didn't like it. Look, I was in the context. George Hewitt yeah, did the yeah. job on Johannesson the week before for the Swans, yeah. didn't he? They're just saying, and they know each other. That's yeah. the key. They I know reckon. each other. They know each other. Like, oh, I just wish there was the occasional mad dog in the AFL. Like, remember yeah. when Dermot Brereton in the 80s used to stir up Essendon? Yeah. And, and you wouldn't want 25 of them, but goodness me, is there one of them yeah. anywhere that says anything? Yeah, I, and I that's mean, what I mean. Like, I, I enjoyed it. It yeah. sort of, you know, it was... Well, it's just like, if I'm playing Fitzy and I know him, and I said, are you ready, Ryan Fitzgerald? Like, you know what I mean? And he's, he used to say, oh, crash being an idiot sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know... And that's the context. So but the coaches are the fun police. Oh, They're the ones that yeah. are saying, hang on, it's not just about you, it's your teammates. Yeah. It clearly became an issue during the game. Yeah. As a player? I didn't mind it. Probably the timing was the issue for me. I think if it was done the day before or whatever. They're obviously mates, but... That's pretty ballsy. Like, he's gone out and yep. done it. They've gone out and won. I tell you what is a sign of where Melbourne are as a team. Upwardly aggressive and yeah. confident. But they wouldn't have done that even a year ago. But see, you, but Sal is exactly right. You need to back it up out yep. in the footy field because if you don't play well and your team loses, you look like a, a And if they'd lost peanut. that game, Absolutely. no one would be doing that ever again. Now, you mentioned him, Supercoach Colin, uh, Colin and Supercoach Nathan Buckley. Now, he wants to get rid of a piece of journalistic history. It's a staple. The doorstop interview. Now, here he is talking on Footy Classified. My job is to prepare the team to play winning football. And if my players are uncomfortable walking into work because they're getting doorstopped and they've got a camera shoved in then, their face, that's not great. Open the doors well, up. We will. We'll, we'll get a car park where you guys can't get in <laughs> yeah. and, and that would be a lot better. I feel uncomfortable when someone tries to doorstop me. It's not right. Don't do it. Is it rude? Is it wrong to have a camera or a microphone shoved in your face as soon as you walk uh, out your door? Look, Nathan Buckley is an excellent media performer. He was before he coached and he probably will be afterwards. I have to say I completely disagree yeah. with him. And, look, some doorstops do go over the top and can be a little irrelevant in a sense. But if you want to limit the amount of doorstops, there's one simple answer. Open your doors. And be more accessible. Not, exactly. But see, Kel, I think a majority of doorstops are unsuccessful because, you know what, some bloke coming out of an MRI scan, as if he's going to give you the results yeah. as if he walks out, out of the surgery. You know what I mean? Like, blokes who get out of the car, that's what I don't like. They're asking about injuries, about what the coach thinks. They're not going to give you anything. You've got to feed the machine. There's pictures. Yeah. You can tell the story over the top well, of the Well, if, if the club's prepared to talk about that stuff, they will present someone yeah. and they'll have a press conference and they will say it. I still reckon out of all the codes, the AFL are by far the most secretive. Mm. And that's been the case for years, to the point where some great careers have passed and there hasn't been decent profiles done on. Gary, I've still yet to find... 
see a decent profile on Gary Ablett Jr. and Tony Lockett, yeah, who yeah, they really are. Yeah, but and see, it's that lack of access. Yeah. The game's the best it's ever been, though. Like, I mean, we, you know what, when, you know, there's scandal after scandal with the NRL, the AFL sits back and they, they lick their lips because we, we just don't have that. Yeah, but there's a quantum leap between scandals and just routine questionings. I agree. It's a bad look. Journalists hate doing it, don't they? Oh, yeah. yeah but I was watching the stuff about journalists. It's the fans. They don't want to hear yeah. the negative stuff. You know what I mean? It, they've got a really good reputation at the moment. It's family, and that's why you don't have those characters So, so Nathan here. Buckley says that he is only accountable to his fans and to his members. I think he is wrong, because he is accountable to all sports fans. Sports fans are interested, not just Collingwood fans, on what is happening in... But, but nah. behind those, Hell, they want to know what's club. happening with his it's contract and things like that. It's your club and nobody else. No, 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 no. Because he, he, and he said his words were, "We can control it through our own media." Those sort of media questions that you get that you're watching on websites, Fixie, do you think they're asking the hard questions? Do you think they're asking the Bucks, awkward questions? Bucks made a great they're point. asking the Dorothy Dixes. So they're, they are controlling the message that is coming out of the club. But yeah, but you know what? That you, is the unfortunately, point of journalism. it's the reporters that turn it around. Buck said in that interview that he'll do a nine-minute press conference and he knows from that nine minutes the one grab that they will take from it and it won't represent what he actually said. So this is where... The trust between journalists and also reporters yeah, but is construed because... Not all journalists are like that. And you're going to always get some journalists that but don't you, do But you ask right any player and any coach, the, the trust isn't there. You've had a notoriously uh, reluctant yeah. coach in Wayne Bennett in terms of the media. What was his message to players? Well, I think you've got to look after yourself as a player and you've got to have an understanding that the media have a job to do as well. So if you're getting stopped, maybe you go to the coach or and find a way... Uh, I can see both sides. You find a way to represent yourself because at the end of the day, uh, I, want a, I want a career in the media. If I don't absorb the media and learn that way, then I'm not going to be able to get on with those people. I'm going to have these articles and these disagreements. So, mm. But there but, comes a day where you don't get asked. You're yeah, going to get retired. Right. Fitzy, you exactly. uh, did you ever get... Uh, Trapped in a car park. Oh, at all? I used to ring the journalist ten minutes before I get there. I used to get out with a megaphone saying I'm here. I, used, I actually used to hire an MC to introduce me as I was walking into the journalist. You're going to and from court. They were okay as well. The, the, the best doorstop I ever did started on a Monday and ended on a Friday when Malcolm Blight was sacked at Morab and he got in his car and he drove home. And he lived in a no-through road. And so we sat there from Monday morning and we waited for him to come out, which was Friday night, and we were playing cricket, and the ball would go over his back fence and his wife would come out and open the back door. So they're not and, all bad fences. Did you get anything out of him, Carol? No. He went typical Malcolm Blight, Blight style. Half-time of the Friday night game, he wandered out the front and read a prepared statement. <laughs> and I was, at, I was at a restaurant in the city and I dropped my meal, got in the car, got there just in time and got the mic in time. See, they were great. They are memorable moments. <laughs> uh, and we've got some of them for you here right now. Great moments. This is, in fact, Tony Lockett. Oh. Uh, he'd been injured. The reporter is Eddie Maguire. So the plugger has a fall. Uh, he's not happy. has been chased by Eddie. And here comes the crutch. <laughs> <laughs> See, Nathan Buckley Buck no needs point. to ask his boss about yeah. doorstops. There's not a lot of point asking a car as it swiftly goes past. <laughs> I'm not sure that works. And this is famously, look at this, Jack Revolt. Now, he's tried to avoid he, uh, the, just about a, the coach, really, wasn't he? decides to catch a train. That's how desperate he is. Jump the fence of Punt Road. And see, he's learned his lesson. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the great media performers. You can just open it up. You compare it to the yep. NBA, you know, 10 minutes after the yes. game. They're all yep. in the locker exactly. room. Tennis before the tournament, you know, up pre-match before you step out of court. Afterwards, they just yeah, but you do, so you, much You have more. a coach and a player that comes out of press conference after a game. You know what I mean? You can't go... They could the do much more, anyone. Fitzy. They could yeah. do three times as much. Yeah, mm -hmm. they could... All right, look, the thing we didn't get to before, just to 
talking about the games was the pitter-patter of footsteps behind the top eight uh, belonging to the Sydney Swans. Uh, at the weekend was terrific. Best forward in the comp, I'm saying it, and the best defender putting on an absolute show. Yeah. Alex Rance, he won the best actor uh, in the competition. Look, he picked... Ah, oh, down oh, that was, ah, Yes. Now, yeah. He didn't get in too much trouble because it wasn't overacting, we were told. Well, it was a ridiculous free kick, to be honest, because Rance did it to Buddy first, but, you know, like, it, I, I, look, I agree, maybe just a fine, hopefully that's not a suspension kill. No, I mean, it wasn't. If it's you, it is you, just a fine. It if it's a, a close fine. fist now, even if it's in the guts, you're going to be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, everything that was looked at was just fines. No team's ever lost Jones. their first six and made the finals. You, you're sticking with it? You're sticking no. with it? you got ten to go. Yeah. Mm. Bombers, Swans on Friday will be yeah, a belter. Yeah, and you got the Giants in Sydney's West, you got Adelaide in Adelaide and Geelong in Geelong. Yeah, no, I've done the maths. <laughs> I'm not worried. In our <laughs> continuing quest to make us feel better about our, our sporting limitations, we show you elite athletes struggling with basic skills. Uh, like Levi Casbolt, this is a terrific set shot. He's actually aiming for the goal on the scoreboard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's aiming for his goal. <laughs> exactly. Just in case you don't know who's shanking it, it's Levi Casbolt. Oh, God. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Uh, look, that's not as good stroke bad as Hayden Ballantyne's work from a few seasons ago. I, I, I do like this. This one. <laughs> I think everybody in AFL likes to see that uh, over and over again. Especially from Ballantyne. Yeah, from Ballantyne, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except the coach, not happy at all. All right, uh, what about players who can combine sports like uh, Jack Darling? This is a brilliant spoil with the acrobatic oh. twist. Watch this with closely from the other angle. Over he goes. And he lands the dismount. Oh, good effort. Beautiful he work. his arms up in the air, didn't he? Wow. Exactly. <laughs> Sensational. All right. Well, look, it was an improvement. Last week, the Socceroos uh, held the defensive shape for 12 seconds before Brazil scored. Overnight, it was five minutes before Germany uh, hit the back of the net in the Confederations Cup. But they came back. 3-2 was a scoreline. That's not so bad. No, it wasn't so bad, but Germany had their second string side. I think they only had three players that actually played in the World Cup winning side uh, from a couple of years ago. So it's a positive sign for the Australians. They look like they played a little bit more positive, but uh, it's going to be hard to come up against Cameroon and then Chile, who are the fourth-ranked country in the world at the moment. First 45 was very, very average, as you said, Tony. Conceded early. Yeah, and then the second 45 was actually really impressive. Probably some of the best that they've put out there for for quite some time. So it's those slow starts because yeah. that happened against Saudi Arabia exactly. and Adelaide as well. Tommy Rogic, our best player by far. Yeah, Ange Postecoglou thought they maybe showed them a bit too much respect. Well, let's hope they can uh, be disrespectful moving forward. Uh, coming off, as we said, the back of a 4-0 hiding from Brazil. But what hope did they have really? Everyone has superb skills in Brazil. Even the bloke at the supermarket mm. checkout. Uh, look, boop, up it goes. And that is unbelievable. Oh. Look at that. Too good. I mean, that's in the three three tricks or less. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never shop in that lane. <laughs> uh, we show you keeper howlers all the time, so why not show you some keeper innovations? Now, this, I think, is the Syrian keeper. You've got to get the ball downfield. He's <laughs> <laughs> punched it. 75 metres. Well, someone in the AFL who's struggling needs to get this bloke. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. It's phenomenal. There he is again. Oh, There's a ow. fair bit going on in his country at the moment. He's letting all his frustration out on that ball, I think. <laughs> Could be it. Coming up, Pakistan's historic champions trophy win. And we wrap up the US Open golf, plus the long jumper who chose the wrong time to let her hair down.
with the quick fuse. I was up tight, wanna let loose. The final of the 2017 Champions Trophy. Down the track. saw that coming. Pakistan, they weren't in the frame, yet no. they've won the Champions Trophy. They won four great games in a row, came from nowhere, and I've got to say, I loved it. You know, those poor lads playing offshore since 2009, yep. they have all sorts of troubles and internal problems, and if you get through their domestic competition where you're on trains, planes, trains and automobiles, it's an impoverished setup. you are a hard cricketer, and that's what some of them are. Thought it was fabulous. The rivalry between Pakistan and India, oh. as Greg Chappell says, it's the ashes to a multiple of seven. And didn't just beat them, pants them. Yeah, yeah. Like totally. After having them. been pants themselves in the, the opening the game. The first game. Yeah, the first game. Yeah. It's phenomenal. For decades, Pakistan have lived with this thing where they've never been able to beat India when it really mattered. And it drove them. Great to the game, Wasi Makram. It drove them crazy. And that they slapped that on the table. It was just majestic. And to see panic set into the Indians was quite something. And was... not just into the team, uh, but into their fans. They weren't at all happy, were they? I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you noticed. Oh. Uh, they, they didn't want to hang around no. and, and watch the hammering. I've never seen that before. That's the cue to leave the ground. <laughs> not, not, not to get in. That's inside the ground, the cue to leave. I've never seen that before. And, and they were five for, what, 67. And, and you know what? As much as we laugh, there's a story in that because... India live with this dread of losing to Pakistan. It's too emotional to even take on board. At one stage, early when they played each other, they had 13 consecutive drawn tests because the, the paranoia about losing just consumed them. Doesn't matter if you don't win, but you can't lose. So What, when they saw what that about coming. the story of Mickey Arthur as well? Obviously, he still lives in Perth, <laughs> yep. and he was responsible for homework gate in this yep. country, but what a turnaround for him. Well, I tell you what, he is great at a coach. He's a great listener and empathy. I mean... Mohammed Amir, the match fixer, who was spent time in jail, sat down with Mickey and said, Mickey, here is my story. And poor old Mickey was almost in tears. And he's had to deal with a lot. When you go into a lounge and you see them, Mohammed Amir, the match fixer, a lot, still a lone wolf, mm. sits apart from the team. It's the most amazing thing. Yet on the field, they all gel. I can't explain it. It's purely Pakistan. And, of course, the feel-good story from the event was that England still remains winless mm -hmm. in one-day international <laughs> competitions. Uh, Brooks Kepka has become the seventh consecutive first-time winner in a golf major, taking out the US Open at Erin Hills. He's 27-year-old. He is a superstar in the making, isn't he? He's a superstar in the making, but he was also sort of anonymous. There's a website in America that regularly does stories on how Kepka is snubbed in the coverage when he's in contention because they find him, A, colourless, and his last name hard to pronounce. <laughs> they call him Cupcake and all this. So, finally, there's his moment in the sun. It was all the big names, or so many of them, just crashed and burned. Uh, McElroy, Day, you know, the, that was horrendous. Yeah. But the, the, the young kids came through. I want to get to Jason Day in a second, but Kepka... Kepka 
Kepka has improved a lot. This was him earlier this year, and so he couldn't even hit the ball. Oh, <laughs> oh that hurts. Absolute shocker. Uh, tree may have come into play a little bit, I guess, but uh, yeah. down he comes and whoop. Oh. <laughs> Gives hope to us all, doesn't it? <laughs> it does a little bit. The, the course did swallow, as you said, crash a few of the players, including Aussie Jason Day, who did miss the cut, and is coming out of rough there. Don't you love it? That's, I Those love the US course. Open because the people who cut the lawn there are like what I do in my backyard. You, just, <laughs> you do the pitch and then you leave the unimportant pits really long. <laughs> That's what I do with my backyard, Sal. Well, that was already cut back, wasn't it? Because the players have made such an issue about the rough being too yeah. long yeah. before the tournament. Yeah. And then that Kepka comes out and shoots 16 under. But see, McElroy yeah. before yes. the start of the tournament said, he said, stop complaining. These yeah. are the best golfers in the world. Stop complaining off. You've got to hit it on to the green. Yeah. Well, so don't him. complain what it is off the green. And he didn't even make the no, cut. That was the funny thing. He said, if you can't hit these wide fairways, you've got no chance. Yeah. And it was right, because guess what? He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. But, but Day just... I can't help but thinking his mother's illness is still with him. He, 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 you can just almost see it in him. But uh, he lost his driver. Once you lose your driver, when the rough's like that, Gonski. Gone. All right, they may have uh, cut back the rough to help the pros, but they didn't make things easy on the greens. Still, Justin Thomas uh, found a way to get the job done. Look at this, that amazing putt. Uh, had to go through the windmill, and it did. Uh, straight into <laughs> <down> the, <laughs> the hole. That was on his way to that amazing 63. And also <laughs> one tickets to Wet and Wild as yeah. well. He's got, he's got up on the goalie. That, that didn't even bring a smile to him. God, he, for a young kid with the world at his feet, he is the most sullen potential superstar of all time. Almost impossible to cheer for, I reckon. Well, he's wearing pink pants yeah. as well. Fire up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the internet uh, had a bit of fun with Sergio Garcia's US Open attire as well. Look at this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> even, even the braces that, he, that uh, Mario's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Super Sergio. <laughs> Power up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the uh, Aussie rugby season has gone from putrid to pustular with Saturday's loss to Scotland. The Wallabies, look, they were going to restore our faith in the game after the horrors of the Super Rugby results, but it just ain't happening. Well, it was like going back to the 1970s when it was an amateur era and the team used to assemble on the Thursday, had one training session, was so disjointed, and you say, well, it is hard. These guys are full-time professionals and this was absolutely terrible. I mean, the skill level, have a look at it. I mean, you know, for, for professionals who play and train every day and again today, more bad news off the field with the ARU voting that they will cut a team. Uh, five down to well, four. they're confirming. They're confirming that. But yet again, the name of the team remains a mystery. I mean, it was 72 days ago they said it was going to be 72 hours before they named one. There's that meeting today, and Bill Pulver has stayed on as well. He's staying on. But, Jamie, as you said earlier, the uncertainty off the field seems to be seeping through. No one... Everyone is down on the game. Even the players now, they're struggling, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're just non-existent at the moment, especially with the AFL going so well and rugby league with state of origin period. But... That was a test match that they really needed to win. It makes this weekend against Italy all, all the more important because yep. if they don't put in a performance this week, they've already got coverage. But, you know, congrats to Michael Checker. The way he came out and addressed the media after the game, 
is something that the, the Wallabies and rugby union fans can be proud of. Yeah, well, let's ha- let's ha- that's exactly right. Yeah. Let's have a look at that because, look, nobody's more passionate about their, their team than the fan, obviously. And one, Jack Quigley, he's uh, expressed exactly how he feels. This post has gone viral and he's absolutely bagged the Wallabies in their effort and wanted to have, you know, speak to them in Brisbane before the Italian test and so on. And he's gone up and he's made it clear how important that is, the passion is to him. So, naturally, Michael Checker was asked about that fan's review. I, I spoke to the gentleman and uh, gave him a ring, expressed, you know, how he was feeling after the game, and I won't think it would be too far away from, you know, maybe not in the detail that he explained, and some of us were feeling as well. Mate, we put his, we put the post up on the wall. I think that was pretty confronting for a few of the guys. You're absolutely right, Sal. I love the way he mm. goes about it. I mean, many people are yep. saying, well, is he, is he the coach for us now? But I just mm. think he's a good person to be there. Yep. Yeah, he is. And that whole press conference, he spoke about not only the uh, letter that they received, but about loyalty and to his yep. boss and everything like that. So you can see... He, that he's the right man to be in charge. They're just not playing well as a team. And yep. we were just talking about, obviously, Nathan Buckley and the relationship between coaches and the media. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I yep. mean, he yep. understands how important the fans are to the game. And his, you know, we, we usually see so many coaches closed off and living in that bubble. But to be yep. able to... So unusual, unusual to see a coach like that express themselves. Mm. I thought it was, um, you know, honest and absolutely brilliant. He's just got to get some wins on board. There were moments in the uh, Scotland test, I, I counted three. Uh, here's a good one. Israel Folau, the, uh, the, the kick across, and uh, Izzy goes up. At that point, everybody's very, very confident. And he comes with the ball. Something like probably should have... An AFL team should pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't do that well, in AFL. I'll tell you no, what, if you're a rugby league fan or AFL, that just looks simple, doesn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. And rugby union, they've said that this is a magical play, but he actually had someone Well, here's one. This is the same man, uh, the same kick in origin, and yeah. down it goes. Goodness me, imagine if he did that in one of the AFL games. He yeah. played 13. Yeah, that's, that's very true. It just was never part of his oh, game. Just in the AFL. timing. He just was all at sea in AFL. But yeah. that is uh, unbelievable to watch. All right. Uh, the British and Irish Lions beat the New Zealand Maori ahead of their Test series against the All Blacks. Now, part of the trick was to find a way to take the fear out of facing the Haka, like this. It's amazing how we step there. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's thriller. I just hope that some of the games in the Bledisloe is going to be... Yeah, yeah. Not blowouts. <laughs> the Lions will be hammered, no doubt about it. The French under-20s, they, look, they had a, a slightly different method, as you can see here. The Harker was going on. And it's such an impressive thing, Oh, it's so good to watch, I, isn't I it? Love, I love it. Goosebumps. But the French boys in the, in the 20s, after it, it was a staring competition. Mm. Now, this went for minutes. Usually, the Australians, when they faced the Harker, at this time, they would trot out Walsy Matilda to scare the shit out of them. But anyway, here we go. Just staring. And holding hands, too. Yeah. yeah. The referee has to come and ask them, come on, boys, we've got to play. It's chilling, isn't it's it? Amazing. Watching that. It's well, just so good. So, neither ne- team wanted to take the, the, the first step. Correct. The funny thing is, there's been a multitude of different options, hasn't there? Remember that time Australia just turned their back and went and took their oh. track suits off? Yep. And they still say it's the worst thing they ever did because the All Blacks were just volcanic. Yep. But the, you can try what you like against the Haka. Nothing ever works, does no, it? No, exactly <laughs> right. I need a rules official, people. Uh, when you're in the Diamond League long jump, is your leap measured from where you land or where the hairpiece finishes? <laughs> she's lost. No, it's the, yeah, it's, it's the, got to be the hairpiece, it's hasn't it? It's the thing that lands 
right at the back there, Tone. Yeah, okay. That's happened to me before, and I was disqualified from the women's long jump. <laughs> which was just, I was winning, I was shitting it in at the time. She's the silver medalist from the last Olympics. That's uh, extraordinary. Blessing, yeah. All right, so this week's top five must come off the back of that. It is the top five hair raising <laughs> moments brought to you by Kia. Uh, look, where else can we start? But uh, the great man, Doug is pulling at the road. Very sorry for the great man at that point. Uh, at number four, uh, look, the NFL player that produced a, a fistful of dreadlocks, but well, at least I hope they're dreadlocks. Oh, 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 oh just brutal. <laughs> At number three, I feel sorry for this uh, Lions official. He gets hit in the head and whoop, then he really is true. It's a real nude note. Uh, always suspicions oh, no. about this is legendary boxing commentator or sports commentator Howard Cosell. Oh no. Look, they, we thought he wore a toupee. Look, he's down there and oh. whoop, that. His headphones come off. <laughs> There's a lot of guys with hats, you could just grab one of those. Uh, it's like a camera. One guy goes, this poor cheerleader, she does the big split. <laughs> 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 Slings it all. There you go, your top five hair-raising <laughs> moments. What's the appropriate penalty for verbally abusing yourself? Aussie Bride and Klein found out in his match against Sam Groth. <laughs> yes! Stupid, stupid person! Hit it! Congratulations, sportsmanlike conduct, game penalty, game set and match. You don't talk, it's a lack. This no, no, no. lack of respect. No, no, no. You don't talk to anyone, stupid person. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's calling himself a stupid. <laughs> Serves him right, I reckon. Well, Serves he, him oh, right. He, he's unlucky, on. but it, it, no, gotta, I reckon that's a classic. You've got to disguise it better. I used to yeah. swear whatever, say whatever I wanted to say, yeah. and then when the ref would say, "Don't talk to me like that," I'd say, "I'm just talking to him, sir." Yeah. Yeah. My team. Exactly so everyone right. thought I talked to my team like that. A brilliant, <laughs> stupid person. Coming up, uh, she led the Sunshine Coast Lightning to Super Netball glory. Goal shooting star Caitlin. Bassett joins us next. The moment has arrived at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre. No one. For the superstar, world goal shooting champion, Caitlin Bassett. This is, it's so fast already. Usually we're seeing nerves. There's no nerves. The Giants out by two. One, two between Wood and Bassett. The Lightning in front. Starting to look the goods, aren't they? Well, this has been an impressive defensive display from the Lightning. She just is powering her way here. The clock brings us down. But the siren goes. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unachievable crowned the inaugural Suncorp Super Netball Champions. Glorious, glorious. <laughs> 
a pleasure to have the star of Sunshine Coast Super Netball Grand Final win, Caitlin Bassett. Hello and welcome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Best shooter in the world. Don't know about that, but... Oh, why don't you like it any time you call the best in the world? It's amazing. Oh, I think arguably. You can put arguably in front of it. Okay. Yeah. Arguably <laughs> the best shooter in the there, world. Yeah, but you no did argument. get... What was it? 49 from 51. So are you going to be walk, working on those two misses in the off-season? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've already looked at the replay and those two misses they shouldn't have missed. <laughs> Is this, is this um, the Tuesday following Mad Monday? I mean, how's the celebrations been for this win? Yeah, look, I'm tattooed, so, yeah. <gasps> oh, so you're staying at the Lightning, I yeah, take it? Yeah, look, I'm not going anywhere, yeah, um, unless I start a team called the Bolts or something like that. But, uh, yeah, no, it was good. Was it a team thing, the, it the was, tattoo? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so some of us got it done before Christmas. I actually had this done before Christmas. It just scratched right. out, so I got it redone. Um, and I'm pretty sure our CEO, Danielle Smith, said she's going to get hers done this week, which is exciting. That's so great. you're born and bred West Aussie. You played 12 years over there, um, with the two teams, Fever and Orioles, and then you make this... I mean, this is just a life-changing move right across the other side of the country to one of the best parts of the world. What are you, two minutes from Mooloola Bar and half an hour from Noosa? But such a big career decision. Who, who was your mentor? Who did you turn to or pick up the phone to to say, help me make this huge decision? Uh, look, I'm not a religious person, so I wasn't God, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, no, look, I thought I, my game was getting a little bit stale um, and I, I want to be the best goal shooter in the world. And so to do that, I thought a change was probably necessary. So for me, I always turn to my teammates. They're the people who I look up to. So at the time of the decision, I was in the Aussie Diamonds um, and it was Claire McMinimum and uh, Laura Geitz as well as Shani Layton. We all had a bit of a discussion. Um, and, yeah, they, they've obviously... Um, some of them have been through moves before and um, gave me the pros and cons of Queensland. Obviously, Geitze and Claire live there, so they were kind of pushing for me to head there. But stoked I've made the move and to win a premiership um, in the first year of a very new competition and with a new team is just absolutely amazing. And you played great. The team played great, obviously. There was one slightly awkward moment, though, in the presentation. I don't know if we've got that there just to show you. Uh, you you're doing this bit quite well. You've got the hat. You get your, your winner's medal, which is sensational. Uh, the hat falls off. Um, now, here's where it starts to get bad. Because I think you might be heading in the wrong direction, as your team tell you. Over there. <laughs> now you, you're chaperoning now. What's going on? Listening <laughs> six and you're trying to hide. <laughs> yeah, look, listening to instructions is probably not my strength. Um, and I didn't listen. I was so excited that I didn't listen. And I wanted to walk Kelsey up because I thought she had such a fantastic game. So, yeah. What about the, the sheer madness of starting from scratch and winning your first competition? Your coach, Nolene, said the other day, you know, we've got a trophy. We still haven't got an office fridge. You know, it's, it's amazing isn't it? Just the, the nuts and bolts come into place. What were those early days like? Yeah, look, um, I was at the West Coast Fever when they first started and it was completely different, I think, with Sunshine Coast Lightning. We literally rocked up to empty offices. There weren't computers, there weren't desks. Um, there, yeah, there still isn't a fridge. Uh, we didn't have a stadium to train at. We were training down at Caloundra um, and it wasn't until um, just before the season started that we started training in our brand new stadium. So, yeah, we started from bare basics and I think um, it's, it's testament to how much we've grown this year as a team. Um, we have to build a trophy cabinet first, I guess, before a fridge. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we started from scratch and look at us. Do, do, do 
netball fans get just as excited when Collingwood get knocked out of the finals <laughs> in the netball as they do in the AFL? Yeah, look, I think um, a lot of the, the football stigma came across with them when they first started and uh, lots of people didn't like them already because of the name. But, uh, no, we think, like, we're based with Melbourne Storm. So, yeah. you know, if you don't like Melbourne Storm, you probably might not like us very much. And there's obviously GWS. So I think it's fantastic that the boys' codes are jumping on board with netball mm. because I think we're obviously doing something right and we've got so much we can learn from them and vice versa. Have you sat down and watched the game yet? Have you allowed yourself to really soak it in that you're the first winners of this competition? Uh, I tried to. Uh, my partner made me turn it off. He said no more netball. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's fair enough. I mean, he, um, yeah, he's been holding my handbag for the last couple of nights, so good on him. But, uh, no, I do want to sit down and just enjoy and relax and actually take some pressure off and listen to the commentary for once. Yep. I had to do a little bit of research to find out what this is all about. Just, just have, a, have a listen to this. And I hope you follow us like you follow us all season. You'll follow them in these final words. The floor is lava. He could lose that. I thought it was true. This is freaking out. This was going, what? <laughs> so, uh, me and Kelsey do a radio show each week and part of it is uh, educating our co-host who knows nothing about anything that happens on social media. So, we started doing it all the time with him and then it grew to netball. Another one we do is Andy's coming, you know, off Toy Story. When Andy comes, all the toys have to pretend to be dead. So, at the end of um, the, the game, when everyone was doing interviews, Stephanie Wood was getting interviewed and all of us stood behind and GBO'd out, Andy's coming and we just dropped. <laughs> I mean, it's a personal inside joke and... Um, we, we laugh at it more than anyone else, but, yeah, it's just part of the mischievous um, part of our team. I, I love it. You've got something serious coming up. You have got a Commonwealth Games coming up for the Diamonds. You've already a gold medalist in that. Uh, how excited are you for that? And also, I just want to show something, because I like watching some glory. This might have been, was it 2011, after the Bell final, the goal to win <laughs> in the World Cup? Extra time in Singapore. Extra time. And this is you doing the job. Yeah, look, it's me with black hair. I'm yeah. um, not the best decision of my career. It's taken me 12 years to get it back to blonde again. But no, that was probably, I guess, um, yeah, my uh, introduction to the big stage, I guess, and where people probably were like, oh, who's that scrawny girl and, you know, what can she do? And, yeah, got my opportunity out there on the big stage and uh, got to shoot the winning goal in extra time, so I was very stoked. Brilliant. And you scored 151 goals from 155 attempts in that tournament, Tony. You missed four times. It's absolutely extraordinary. To be honest, though, I played against some of the lesser countries. So, yeah. you know, like... Well, they didn't lower the goal, though. Is it true that you needed to be sort of talked into playing netball when you were a teenager because you wanted to be a musician? Yeah, definitely. And I, um, I like Shani Layton, did a lot of horse riding as a kid. So the first time I picked up a netball was because um, one of my school teachers was a netball coach and I think he just wanted to poach me onto his team. But, yeah, definitely I thought I was going to be a music teacher. Um, um, and it wasn't till what I was started the music. What was it? Clarinet and saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just quickly before you go, have you ever seen Kel on the sideline doing an interview standing on a box? <laughs> have you high heels on? Have you seen <laughs> that? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Congratulations on the win uh, and good luck going forward. Lovely to have a chat with you. Thank you. Thanks. All right, coming up, our champ of the week. That's next. <laughs> Welcome back. Look, I'm not really sure that this is sport. I'm very sure it's stupid, though. Uh, hanging by your teeth, 
over Niagara Falls. What the hell is that about? What what drives people to do this? Well, I think her husband did something similar, and she had to try and beat him. That Seriously? Was, yeah, that's that's pretty much the story behind it. So she's gone up and sort of tried to one up him, I think. So. How do you strengthen your teeth? How, I mean, Real how teeth? Do you do that? Well, occasionally Real clean teeth, them. Fits. <laughs> Bit of flossing now and then. Won't Did your old man ever, you know when you went to the toilet and you used to uh, go straight into the water and Dad always used to say it's not Niagara Falls? Did your old man ever used to say... <laughs> <laughs> We're back on air. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Subway. <laughs> Hard to go past Pakistan at that remarkable win in the Champions Trophy. A uh, team given no chance of getting to the finals, let alone making the uh, winning the thing. Lowest ranked in the tournament at eighth. They came up from uh, first up hiding from India. Turn it all around, thump Virat Kohli's men and lift that trophy. Well done to our champ of Jeez. the week. Well done to you. Lovely to have yes. your company. Go those blues. See you soon. This has been a production of Fox Sports.